Thank you, praise team. Didn't you enjoy the steel guitar? Feel like a honky-tonk, didn't it? Not quite, I guess. Everybody doing okay out there? Well, I hate to do this to you, but um, stand with me. I'm going to read the scripture to begin with. I know you just sat down, uh, but uh, just stand with me for a moment as we read God's Word. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I nor, no, I beat my body and make it my slave so that I, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Lord, help us today as we finish this series on stress. Help us, Lord, to, to be overcomers, not overwhelmed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I, I, when I read that scripture, I'm reminded of my sixth grade elementary track experience. And, and when I was in elementary school, uh, way back in the 70s, <laughs> it was a long time ago. Man, that sounds like a long time ago now that you think of it. Uh, but when I was in elementary school in the 1970s, we, at, at the elementary school I was in, we had just an all-elementary school race, you know, a cross-country race. You know, it must have been, you know, a mile, a mile and a half or something like it, and all the kids ran it. And I came in third. That's right. Are you impressed? You, you don't look, yeah. Well, hold your applause till the end of the story. Um, because then after I, you know, I was all happy and I was all proud, like as third place and, you know, I, I oh, I've done so well. And, and then we came to the time of giving the awards and all of a sudden I realized that I had cut out a portion of the race. And that explained my third place finish as well. And so I didn't get any prize. As a matter of fact, it was just embarrassment and shame because I didn't even run. Yeah, oh, poor pastor. I always remember that, and, and I, I'm almost done with my counseling now for that, and uh, hopefully I'll be all, all well. You know, wrong turn. It took me off the course. It took me out of the race. It took me away from my prize because I didn't run the race the way it needed to be run. Uh, some of you in here have run, I, I know several. Uh, Becky Sang, she runs. I see Todd there, he runs. Uh, Dave Icorn is like a gazelle on the track. You've not seen Dave run. Uh, several of us and have, have run different things in the past, 5Ks, 10Ks, uh, half marathons and marathons. And, and when we do those kind of things, we, we train, we prepare, right? Uh, you, you, if you run a, a longer race, they'll give you the course, and so you'll have some sort of awareness of the course and what you're going to run, all those things. And, and then, then you'll, with, with this training, with this preparation, th then you'll be on the course, and you'll, you'll be running, you know, you're trying to do the best you can. And, and I want you to imagine that you're on a race course, and, and all of a sudden an ice cream truck pulls beside you, some of you are saying, yes, pastor, I would go off the course for the ice cream. I deserve it. Uh, but, but typically, we don't do that, right? We, we want to finish the race. We want to finish it in a good time. We want to accomplish something. We, we want all that training to go for some reason. And so in the middle of a race, when you hear that bell of the ice cream truck, you won't all of a sudden stop running and walk off the course and, and stop doing what you've been training to do. 
We have some level of control in the race that, that we're on. We have some level of control even in our lives. Uh, our life is a journey. Our life is a race. And, and, and the connection is there that we're training. We're trying to get somewhere. There's some purpose we're trying to accomplish. And so we don't walk off course. We, we, don't, we, we stay true or we should stay true to the direction, to the goal of our life. And we've been talking about stress. Stress is one of those things that, that can take us off course. And, and sometimes the stress in our life is because we've been taken off course. And, and we cannot eliminate all stress from our life. As a matter of fact, I'm not, I'm not even sure if it would be healthy to live w- without some level of friction and stress. I, I used it in the first service. Maybe this is a terrible example, but you know, I, I think when we talk about conflict in the church, conflict in the church, I think we need to view it differently. Conflict in the church is an opportunity uh, for us to show what love and forgiveness really looks like. And, and so I think sometimes we, we have differences of opinions in, in the church, not because it's a bad thing, but in that, God can really show through us what it means to love and forgive. And so stress is part of life, and, and we can't avoid it all, but we can control how we prepare and respond to stress. You, you, you can't control whether there'll be stress in your life, but you can control your preparation, you can control your response. Now, what we've been talking about, the sources of stress, and, and, and I saw one comic, the lady said, there's three sources of stress in life. There's family, and there's money, and there's family with no money. <laughs> and so those are three sources of stress in your life. We, we, we began to look at that, and, and, and there's been, we've been dealing with the approaches, and we've been using principles, but I saw this approach to stress. This is what this lady says. When you're feeling stressed out, I think it helps to make a nice hot cup of tea and then spill it in the lap of whoever's bugging you, okay? Who uses that technique, Yeah. Uh, so there's all sorts of ways we can respond and, and deal with stress, but we've been not looking particularly at the, just the sources of stress. Uh, we, we, we did a survey, and we talked about family and finances and jobs and, and busyness and all these things that create stress. But, but I believe throughout all these different sources of stress, there runs similar threads. Uh, for instance, at, at work, you may be stressed out because of the busyness all that's going on, all the expectations. And those are the same sources that you find many times in your family environment. It's, it's not just that family creates stress, but it's, it's the expectations, it's the busyness, it's all the things that need to get done. And all these things run through all of the different causes that we identified as sources of our stress. And so we've been dealing with principles. What, what principles do we need to instill in our life that allow us to prepare and respond to the stress of life in an effective way? And we talked about the first week, we talked about the temple principle, that, that our physical bodies matter, that, that getting appropriate rest, eating the right things, getting exercise is helpful in dealing with stress, that, that mentally and physically we deal with stress in, in, in a certain way. And if, if we're not prepared physically, then we will not handle stress appropriately. But, but not only that, I, I believe sometimes we get so tired, so worn out, that it's impossible even to hear from God. 
And we use the story of Elijah in, in the Old Testament. Elijah is this great prophet, and he has this great battle with the priest of Baal, and he wins, and, and then Jezebel, the king's wife, chases him, and, and he's all frazzled and worn out. And God doesn't speak to Elijah until after Elijah, what? He eats and he rests. And some of you, it's, it's very difficult, and, you're not, and, and I've been there myself, uh, you, where you're not hearing from God, and, and, and it may be as simple as maybe you need to take a nap and get something to eat, and then try to listen. See, God understands our physical body, and He meets us where we are, and, and we talked about the temple principle, then we, the, the next week, Pastor Christy talked about the wisdom pr- principle, and, and the wisdom principle is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding that, that it's this, this relation, in this relationship with God that we begin to have the, the correct perspective, that we begin to understand life appropriately. There, there's stress in life that I believe just on our own we can deal with. But then there's those ultimate issues of life. You know, I think of, of, of Nancy and, and Juanita and all that they're dealing with. I think of um, Dave Groves and as he's in, in hospice care as we're coming to the end. Those are the ultimate issues of life. And from my perspective, there's no way to deal with that kind of stress but through God. That, that God is the answer. And, 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 and I would be pretending, I would be giving you some sort of false hope if I would say that somehow we could do some techniques that we could get through life effectively. But, but, but I believe the only way to get through life is with God. And so the wisdom principle is this understanding that if I'm going to have a proper perspective, it will come through and in God, in relationship with God. Not learning about God, but being in a relation where I, where I sense His presence, where he, he interacts with me, He speaks, and, he, and, he, and I allow Him to guide. And then we talk about the gratitude principle. And the gratitude principle is recognizing the good things in your life. That, that in every life, even in the midst of very difficult seasons of our life, there are still reasons to be thankful. Um, Here you sit in this room today and you're surrounded by family and friends. Uh, uh, Most of us got something to eat, even if it wasn't good. Uh, You know, maybe it was Dunkin' Sticks or something like that or McDonald's, but most of us ate, most of us had water, you know, most of us had something to to, to drink and, you know, we we drove to church. We didn't walk eight miles to church and, and, you know, there's things that we can be thankful for. And it gives us a different perspective. But, but not only that, to, to, to be thankful for the good things in your life is to recognize the giver of all good, give, good gifts. And James, James writes that God, our, our, the Father above, is the one that gives us every good gift. And so it's a recognition, even in the worst times of our life, that God is present and blessing us. Then we talked about the Sabbath principle, and, and to me, the Sabbath principle is a centering principle in dealing with stress in our life. The Sabbath principle is the setting aside a day uh, to work, not work, and to rest. Uh, Sabbath is more than just a physical rest, but, but Sabbath is a recognition that life does not revolve around and life does not depend on me, that God is the creator and giver of life. And when we Sabbath, we say, God, I have enough activity to fill seven days, but I'm going to stop on this day because you alone are the giver and creator of life. 
And so life does not revolve around me. And it creates within us this understanding that although circumstances may be big, they're never bigger than God. And it's in these circumstances that we can stop and just say, I can't, but God can. And then we talked about that the next week, we talked about the stewardship principle. And that, that is an understanding that our, that our resources are not ours, but given to us by God. And our resources are limited. And so we are accountable by how we operate and how we handle these limited resources of time and money and energy. And, and, and they we're accountable to God, and so we plan and we prepare, and we understand that ultimately it's, it's not about stewardship, it's not about accumulating things, but it's allowing things to flow through us and holding on to things a little bit looser. And even, even when you begin to think about the difficult things that are going on in our life, it's a recognition that even the difficulties that we're going through ultimately belong to God. And so we can boldly say, God has this. <laughs> Whatever we're going through, it's, it's really not ours, but it's God's. And we give him the good things and the bad things, knowing that God cares for us. As Peter says, cast all your cares upon God, because he cares for you. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Josh spoke on the vision principle and this, this ideal of that, that we have competing visions for our life from family members, from friends, from teachers, from preachers, from whoever that have this vision for our life. But ultimately, we're not to, to find just our vision or others' vision, but we want to find God's vision for our life. And sometimes God speaks through burning bushes, but most of the time he doesn't. And, and a scripture that I love is in Isaiah where it says, I'll be that voice behind you that go, says go left and go right. That, that most of the time, in my life, I don't know about your life, but most of the time, God has spoken pretty softly in my life. And so it's an invitation to stop and listen and allow him to guide us. And then last week, we talked about the memorial principle and just looking at the past and looking at God's past faithfulness. Who would say that God's been faithful in the past? I just, the God that is faithful in the past is faithful in the present. And so whatever it takes to have a memorial stone so that you're reminded that this faithful God is still faithful in our present and faithful in our future. God is faithful. Can you say that with me? God is faithful. He will finish what he has started. You know, we didn't spend a great deal of time on it last week, but but I would encourage you to look at the book of Revelation and maybe in a different way. I mean, I, it, it, I guess if you want to write a book, the book of Revelation is about charts and timetables and all that stuff. But, but I think it has a deeper meaning than that. And the book of Revelation, God just lifts his people above history. And if you look at individual stories, anybody ever read the book of Revelation? Some of the stories are pretty freaky, right? <laughs> right? You know, you got three-headed things and things flying and, you know, it seems all chaotic. And God lifts you above the chaos of history and says, I want you to know that I have this. And at the end, I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye. And every chaotic moment you're going through, when you're lifted out of history, God says there will be a meaning and a significance to it. And this week we're going to talk about the boundary principle and it's staying on course. Now, 
I believe, as I, as I look at this series, I think this boundary principle really is, and, and that's why we went over the summary of all the different principles we talked about, because I think the boundary principle is utilizing these principles and, and being prepared and planning and, and being disciplined in the way that we live our life. That, that, that we, it, it's not about the moment, but it's about the way we live those moments, the way we live our lives, the way we live our days. And, and, and the boundary principle is, in essence, just staying on course. Even when everything's trying to knock you off course, and, and life will try to knock you off course, amen? <laughs> it's staying the course and, and, and may, being a principled person, being someone that, that sees the goal and is just continually, single-mindedly running towards that goal. The boundary principle, though, gives us permission to say no to the things that take us off course. And so this morning, I'm going to preach what I've never heard preached, and I don't know if you have or not. I'm going to preach on saying no. <laughs> and we, we kind of laughed after the first service because we opened our service with what? Say yes, Lord, yes. <laughs> but I'm going to say, say no. But what Amy and I talked about, it was an appropriate song because oftentimes our ability to say no allows us to say yes to God. It is in saying no that we have the freedom to, to live the life that God wants you to live. I just feel compelled to say this morning, maybe you're, you're struggling with this whole idea of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a Christian and what this is all about. I, I want you to know that, that you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm writing Joel Olstein's book here, but, but God has your best intentions in mind. That, that when we're talking about following God, it, it's not some drudgery, it's, it's not this elimination of life, but it's finding life. That to say yes to God is to say yes to eternal, everlasting life. Not just heaven instead of hell, but heaven in the here and now. The kingdom of God where God is the master, where God is the Lord, where God is the king, where God reigns supreme. And it's in that that I believe that we find true life. And so we say no to some things so that we can say yes to God. And in that yes, there is life. Now, I believe, to me, yes is often a lot easier to say than no, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm looking at good people here. And good people have a tendency to not want to say no to anything. That when somebody asks us to do something, we almost begin to think that as a Christian, I, will, I should say yes. Jesus would always say yes. Now, I'm going to take us further back to the end of the sermon, and we'll talk about it further. I want you to know that Jesus said no. That in his ministry, there were times that Jesus said no. And so he invites us as ordinary people following Jesus. That's our vision. You know, we're, we're just trying to follow Jesus. We're, we believe that Jesus gives us this model of what it means to live. And Jesus said no. And since Jesus said no, we can say no. And so there's times in our life, even though it's not always easy, and sometimes we feel compelled to say yes, but there's times when yes is the wrong answer. Yes is the wrong answer when it makes God less than first priority. 
let's just start there. When, when, when somehow our yes takes God from first place in our life, it is the wrong answer. When our yes is to our priorities and our own way, then it's the wrong answer. And, and, and I'll just say, when our yes is to us and it's a no to God, it always leads to stress and issues. Uh, th think of the story of the fall. In the fall, Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. Um, they're, they're married. I would call them married. I, you know, no preacher got them married, I guess, but they were married. You know, God must have been the, the, the efficient. So they're husband and wife. And, 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 and so there's relationship. And in relationship, we have stress, right? Right? You guys stress me when you never respond, okay? Look how stressed I am. They're working. God puts them to work. They're naming the animals and, and doing all the things that they do in the garden. And so, so there's work and there's relationship. And, and we identify work and relationship as a source of stress. But, but even in the midst of work and relationship, there, there's not all this chaotic stress that you sometimes see. And then what happens? The, the Satan and the serpent comes and he... He, he tempts Adam and Eve, and what? They choose their way over God's way. And, and God says, okay, you've chosen your way over my way, and because of that, Adam, work is going to be much harder. So if you had a hard week at work this week, you have Adam to thank, okay? You know, you're, you're going to work your, your, your hands to the bone, <laughs> to grow or do anything. Life is going to be a struggle because you have chosen your way over my way. Eve, you're going to give children and it's going to hurt. Women, say thank you, Eve, for the pain of childbirth. You know, you're going to, you're going to want your husband, but there's going to be conflict in relationship and there's going to be all these ramifications because you've chosen your way over God's way. I want you to know, in your life, when you choose your way over God's way, there is ramifications in your life. There is stress every time. Now, do I think God's sending these out of judgment? Not necessarily. I just believe God's way is the way to life, and when we choose our way, we're choosing another direction. It's almost like a natural law that if you choose to jump off a bridge... Guess what? You could get hurt. And so when we choose our way over God's way, when we say yes is a choosing of our way over God's way, then there's stress. Yes is the wrong answer when God says no. You know, sometimes God's answer's clear, and sometimes God's answer's not so clear. Um, you know, if God's word commands it, if it's in God's word, it's pretty clear. When others clearly give you counsel, then it's pretty clear. I recognize there's times in your life when it's not so clear. But, but you know, when God says no and we say yes, we're headed for trouble. Terry and I came and... and um, I, I came to be your pastor, it's been just over two years ago, and, and it was a clear yes, this, this is what you needed to do. 
And then we went through this whole process of selling a house and buying a house. And, and so we, we buy a house and, you know, you look at this house and we think, you know, this fits what we want and what we want to do. And, you know, we, we, we think we can pay for it. <laughs> we hope we can pay for it. We're trying to pay for it. Our closing agent's right there. So, But, you know, it wasn't like God, you know, when we walked, when we drove up the house, it wasn't like there was this <laughs> you know, halo around it. Maybe it happens like that for some, but it didn't us. It was a house that fit what we wanted to kind of do and, you know, kind of fit what we, want, what we wanted to see in our life. And it didn't seem contrary to God's will. Now Terry's in the process of, of trying to find another job up here. She's been in the process for really just over a year because the first year she stayed down there with Dylan. And, and, and she does have a job up here now in three weeks. So Terry's actually, we're, we're, we're going to no longer be separated, I guess, as you guys have been phrasing us. And so she's got a job in Columbus. But through this process, there's been different opportunities, you know, she had to choose from. And, you know, we're praying for God's will. But it's not like there was a burning bush saying, oh, Terry, you need to work here. But it, but it was a, you know, a, a wane of options and wane of, of circumstances of what fits best. So, so there's times in our life where I recognize that life's kind of like, is anybody else experienced that? Or you guys are going to look at me like a plague. Isn't life kind of like that? That there's times it's just like, God, both these doors look good. Help me. And we do the best we can. But then there's times that God says no. And we know it's no. When God says no, and we answer yes, the answer is wrong. Yes is the wrong answer when it simply feeds our ego. I'm going to be real transparent here. I I hope this doesn't scare you off. But sometimes I'm guilty of this. In the past three or four months, we, um, I've had all sorts of opportunities to do things. Uh, Mama asked me to be on their, their executive committee. And I said, yes, okay. And then, then I got a call from, from our general church, or our regional church. They said, hey, can you be on a panel and a panel leader in PowCon, which is a pastors and leaders conference? And, and I said, yes. And then Dr. Councilman called, or Jeff Councilman called, said, hey, can you do something for a camp meeting? I said, yes. And then another person on the district called, and something about SDMI, can you do this? And I said, yes. And I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm not blatantly, but, you know, sometimes after I've said yes to so much, and last week was terrible, the last two weeks, because all these things are are coming to roost. You know, I've got all this stuff I've got to do, and I really don't have time to do it, and so I'm doing this training, and then I'm going, and we're doing this planning, and then I've got this, and I've got that, and all this stuff is just starting to... And then I wonder why I said yes. You know, the short, well, I just feel like it's the right thing to... Is it just because it's the right thing to do, or does it somehow feed my ego? Right? Anybody else been there? Yeah, yeah I think even as your pastor. Uh, I, I want to be at everything I can be for you. You have surgeries, when you have babies born, when, when, when there's 
this and there's that when you're sick, when you're shut in, and all these things. I try to be there, and sometimes I wonder, is that because that's what God's calling me to do, or do I like the pat on the back that you say, oh, well done, good and faithful pastor? (laughs) I know I'm the only one that struggles with that, right? (laughs) So when yes is simply to feed our ego... And it's not about the kingdom, it's not about relationship, it's not, but it's just somehow that it makes me feel better. Then yes is the wrong answer. Yes is the wrong answer when it inappropriately diverts our limited resources. You have limited resources. We have limited money, right? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord! We have limited money, we have limited time, uh, you know, we have in- limited energy. You are limited. You don't have unlimited resources like Donald Trump, okay? So you can't run for president or whatever you want to do. And so when we spend these resources, we say yes and spend these resources in a wrong way, then yes is wrong. I've got, and I know this is, this is the saddest story you'll ever hear, I still only have a 40-inch television. I know. It's almost as if, you know, I feel like Job. Um, And no amounting of convincing can convince Terry that that 80-inch TV, I mean, I'm planning on using that for ministry opportunities. (laughs) Only TBN and Monday Night Football with men, okay? Uh, And so, you you know, there's, there's always that pressure, to, to buy things and to say yes to things that maybe you really don't need. Um, I'm just going to say something that may be unpopular. No, I don't need any amens here. But if that new car keeps you from being generous and keeps you from tithing, that yes is wrong. That, that God has, your resources are limited and we, we put ourselves in financial straits by just simply saying yes to wants and not needs. Let's face it, most of us live to our wants and not our needs, uh, if we were honest. But, but it puts us in a situation where we can't minister, where we can't serve, where we can't give. Your time. Get giving your time that's limited to something that you probably shouldn't have given it to limits you from spending time with family, from spending time even, and I don't want this to be false guilt, but folks, oftentimes in the church, it's not that, it's not that we don't have the time, it's just the time has been given to something else. You ever hear that phrase that preachers will say, the good news is we have all the money we, we need, the bad news is it's in your pocket? <laughs> It's like that with time. We, we have, I, I fully believe that we have all the resources, all the people to be a highly effective kingdom vessel. I believe within this building, even right now, and then the second and the first service, I believe we have all the people that we need to be Jesus Christ to this community. Wow. Think about that. And, and I'm not trying to create undue guilt. We'll talk about that later. But, but sometimes we say yes to lesser things. And, and then we're tapped when it comes to our family and the things of God. So yes is the wrong answer when it 
inappropriately diverts our limited resources. Yes is the wrong answer when it harms us physically, mentally, or emotionally. Challenge is good. But, but there's a difference between doing things that are challenging and things that are harming us. That, that sometimes we, we get so overwhelmed with what we're doing that, that there's no healthy result, that it just taps us out, takes all of our energy, takes all that, that we can be just to, to fill what we think we had to do. Yes is the wrong answer when you had not had time to fully evaluate the situation. There are very few decisions that you have to make in the now. As a matter of fact, I would venture to guess that if a, if a decision is so urgent that you don't have time to sleep on it, to think about it, to, to, to look at other options, uh, then it's probably not a decision you need to make. Last night, Terry and I, uh, we, we went to Easton Mall, and uh, we, we were looking at things and looking at you know, furniture and different things. And so we, we've got in our mind some, some table that, that we'd like to have in our front room. And, you know, it, you know we're thinking all oh, this, we could do meals, you could play games, you could have people over, you know, just kind of a, a good setting for people. And so we found this table at, uh, what was it called? Crate, Crate and Barrel. Crate and, anybody been Crate and Barrel? It's kind of cool. Anybody been to the store across the street from Crate and Barrel, what was that called? The hardware store? Man, it was really cool. Uh, but it was too expensive. So anyhow, we're in Crate and Barrel, and we found this table. And, and honestly, we've been looking. It was the right price, and, and it, was, um, it was in the clearance section. And so we talked to the guy, and he said, well, well we only have two in the warehouse now. You know, you know what that means. Ah! There's just two left. We didn't buy it. You know, not, not that we've always gotten that right. We've, we've made lots of purchases, and we've done lots of commitments over the course of our life that was the wrong commitment because we made it too quick. But in this instant, I can use it as a good example, okay? We didn't. And, and I'm kind of the opinion that if, if somehow it doesn't work out, then that's not what, you know, there's another table out there that, that God will have us get. I mean, think, think about the choices, the decisions in your life that's created the most stress. How many times has it been because you didn't take time to sleep on it, to seek the counsel of others? Yes is the wrong answer when it is given as the result of false skill. Okay, let's, let's go back what Pastor was talking about just a few minutes ago, talking about serving in the church. I imagine a place in which people are doing the things that God has called them to do. <laughs> that, that it's not because somebody's twisted your arm or somebody's manipulated you with emotions, but you're giving and you're serving and there's a joy and there's a power and it's a lightning thing, not something that's weighed down on you. But when serving and giving and yes becomes, comes because someone has cast false guilt upon you, then yes is the wrong answer. I can think back, and, and I shared this in the first service, Terry, and I, I got to tell you, there, there's been times in my life where I really messed this up, and, and I'm thankful for the grace of God because God's grace sometimes just kind of overwhelms our stupidity, right? Is that, is that a good theological, spiritual way to say it? So when, when I, was, uh, I was practicing law and God called me into the ministry, and so my law practice, you know, it's, it's like any profession. You know, I, I, 
life balance, what balance? You know, you have 60, 70 hours a week, you're doing this. And, and so I'm working in Dayton, which was about a 45-minute drive away, and I'm working my 50, 60, 70 hours a week, whatever it is. And, and then I'm being called in the ministry. And, and, and so on Monday night and Thursday night, I'm, I'm in classes. And then Sunday night, I have I, almost every other Sunday night, I was preaching. And then on Wednesday night, I was teaching a caravan, and Josh is the result of that caravan class. And Josh will tell you that as a pastor, I came in and it wasn't a lot of deep teaching. There's a little bit of Uno and some pretzels every once in a while. Because <laughs> you're talking uh, an individual that in my life, you know, I was going to work at seven, you know, being at work at eight, and not home till nine, nine thirty every night. Why was I teaching that class? Because somebody needed to do it. This is a challenging thing for a pastor because there's definitely things in the church that people need to do. We have an obligation to the kids and the teens that God has placed in our care. We have an obligation of the peop- as the people of God to be pastors and missionaries and teachers to them. You do. You know, don't, don't ever mishear me that I'm saying all that stuff's not. It is. It's vital. And it's our obligation. And we need people to do it. But we need them to do it because God has called them and equipped them. Not because some pastor, some children's pastor, some director, some Sunday school superintendent has twisted our arm and caused us to say yes. Yes is the wrong answer when the stress created outweighs the value of yes. Now, anything worthwhile includes stress, right? Work includes stress. If you're going to school, there is stress. If you get married, there is stress. And all God's people said... If you have kids, there is stress, and all God's people stood up and shouted, right? (laughs) All of these things involve stress, but the value of them is greater than the weight of the stress. We recognize to work and breathe, to have relationships, to have families, to do all these things involves stress, but there's a deeper value to those things. But there's some things that we say yes to that when we look at the stress it creates in our life, it's not worth it. Yes is wrong when it enables dysfunctional behavior. Sometimes it's the result of somebody else's unreasonable expectations. Um, sometimes it's in a workplace where you have that one coworker that's constantly not doing their part and they expect you to pull them out. Right? Anybody ever experienced that? No, don't raise your hand. Everybody's experienced that, right? And then, then there has to come a point that you have to say, No. I'm sorry, I have my own obligation. And, and for some of you, and I'm looking at my wife, that's hard to do, isn't it, Terry? You know, T- Terry is somebody that likes to say yes. Yes? <laughs> now she's embarrassed. 
but she's a good worker, a hard worker. You know, she, she's got this mentality that things need to get done. And so when they don't get done, that, that affects her. And, and so she's one that... <laughs> and then she complains at me and it creates stress for me, okay? <laughs> but some of you are in that situation right now where you, you've got to find a way just to say... No. Sometimes it's in family relationships. Sometimes it's with kids and grandkids. Sometimes it's with spouses that, that there's dysfunctional behavior. And, and these aren't easy issues, right? Right? Sometimes it's in the midst of dysfunctional relationships and their dysfunction has become your dysfunction. Th- their missed deadline has become your missed day- deadline. Their missed car payment has become your missed car payment. And in some of these relationships, it might just be the need of tough love. That that's sometimes people have to learn that a missed car payment results in a lost car. And it's, it's only through learning these things that they can mature and grow. And, and so you're, you're almost enabling someone to create stress not only in their life, but your life. This is hard, isn't it? Isn't it? When it's somebody, can, can, you know, as a pastor, I don't want to stand up before you and say, oh, well, you just need to let them pay the ramifications. I have kids, and I even have kids that have made mistakes every once in a while. Not you, Spencer. You've been perfect. <laughs> and, and Terry and I have had stressed our life because from time to time, for, for the most part, my boys have been awesome, but there's been times in their life that we've done things because of things where they kind of messed up. And so it's not like this easy thing and there's a balancing act because you're loving and you're, you're, you're trying to get them to grow through these things, but, but I think it's a necessary thing. So finally, how do you, how do you say no? <laughs> Let's try that. Can we all say no? One, two, three. No. Yeah, you guys are good. Just say no. Don't use wimp, wimpy substitute phrases. I, you know, I, I'm not sure or I don't think I can or, or maybe... <laughs> Well, let's see, or you know, just say no. Be brief. You, you, you state the reason, but you don't have to elaborate. You know, th- this doesn't have to be war and peace. You know, this can be a short story. Hey, no, I can't do that because I'm already committed over here. No, I can't do that because that's family time, and we really value family time. No, I can't give you this because I'm already committed to giving over here. You, know, you don't have to be elaborate, but, but, but be brief. Be honest. You don't, don't make up excuses. I shouldn't have to tell the people of God that, right? Unfortunately, sometimes we're like, well, you know, I can't because... And, and you don't bend the truth. You don't lie. But, you know, there's that implication so be, be honest, be respectful, because it may be a good cause. Um, I, I've learned this in the ministry. <laughs> now, see, it was easy when I practiced law. You, you know, you, you had guys come by that wanted to sell you stuff. You just sent them on their happy packing way, right? <laughs> there is the door. Don't come back again. We do not do sales calls in this way. If you want to make an appointment, make an appointment. Well, the ministry, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, pastors, we're, we're supposed to be jolly guys, you know, that just have hours and hours. And, and so we have in the office, Stephanie's, it's not true, we have people who just stop. 
and expect you to hear their ministry plug. And you know what? Every one of their ministry opportunities are valid. They are. You know, who doesn't want to feed kids, right? There's nothing invalid about that. Who doesn't want to make sure people have Bibles? But I'm just going to be honest. We as a church and I as a pastor cannot do everything. You guys will have opportunities, and I have opportunities that are valid and good and substantial, but we still need to be able to say no, because there's other things I'm committed to. Does that make any sense? So be respectful. You, you can say, listen, man, that is awesome, and I'll be praying for you, and that is one of the coolest things I've ever heard, but we're already, I'm already committed here, and so I really can't do anything more than just Say, I'm going to pray for you as God brings it to my remembrance. Then be ready to repeat. Sometimes no has to be repeated. And we said earlier in, that Jesus said no, and you can find numerous accounts. Mark 1, 34 through 39 is, a, is a, an awesome example. Jesus is ministering, he's healing people, and he, you know, he's, people are gathered around, and then all of a sudden he's just gone. And the disciples find him and they say, hey, you know, all these people are here and they're needing you to minister to them. And, and Jesus is saying, well, we're not going there. We're going here. And so there was a no to this because God was telling him to say yes to here. See, Jesus is our example and Jesus was able to say no. Now, this is the, the last pressure cooker sermon. I, I've loved this series. It's been my favorite sermon to ever preach, sermon series to ever preach. And, and, and I may, maybe not for you, but for, I, I've loved going through this series. I think it's real. I think it's where we live. Next week, we start on 1 John, and in the summer, we'll go through 1 John. And I, I'm excited about 1 John as we talk about this alternate reality that, that God invites us to live in. John's preaching to people that, that have begun to, to, to lose a little bit of love for the Christian walk, for following Jesus, and, and they're beginning to spiritualize everything. That it's, it's not about the here and now, and John's saying, wait a minute, this was a physical Jesus that has upset our physical realities. And I want you to know that he is calling you to live this holy life in the here and now. It's not just spiritual, but it's physical. So I'm excited about that. You guys don't look excited as I am, but I'm excited about it. But I want to finish this series with our series verse. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we've had this, this saying that we've used, this, this series theme that we are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. Stand with me if you will. But we've made it personal, haven't we? And so this is the last time that you have to, to say this here. Hopefully this is a phrase that will, will stick with you. But I, but I want us to repeat this one more time together, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Can we do this? I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. Let's do it one more time. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. Do you believe that's true? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for, for the boundaries that you give us, uh, the resources that you give us the people of God, Lord, that you allow us to be a part of. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to um, live principled lives. Not, not that we 
we avoid stress, Lord, but Lord, that we overcome the stress and trouble of this world. That even in the midst of conflict and friction, Lord, we can be shown to be the holy people of God, living differently, loving differently, uh, reacting differently. I pray, Lord, that you'll take this message and use it. Lord, if there's anything in this that's not pleasing, not your will, Lord, I pray that you'll remove it. And Lord, your Holy Spirit will do that work that I cannot do. Help us, Lord, to set boundaries that allow you to um, uh, lead us and guide us. Help us to set boundaries that, that keep us on course. And Lord, in all these things, we'll give you the glory because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.